welcome to episode 18 of a Thai football podcast with me, a very cold Dale Farrington. And me, Rob Bernard, in the sea get sunshine. The week started with the back end of Thailand's tour to Eastern Europe. And I caught up with Reese, who presents the Estonian football podcast. And we had a good chat about the game. And he was very complimentary, as you will hear now. Hello, Reese. Hello, how's it going? Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. So basically, just want a quick overview of, of the other night, that's okay. After seeing like what happened in Georgia, I thought it was going to be an easy win. Despite political football turmoil in Estonia at the moment, who's the president, who shouldn't be the president? And this was kind of seen, for me personally anyway, that a friendly where you can kind of get some confidence back. I've never seen Thailand play before, so yeah, maybe a bit of arrogance from like, you know, a European nation has to be an Asian nation. Um, but yeah, I was pleasantly shocked by how good Thailand actually were. So that's good to hear because uh, presumably you're aware of all the, the turmoil that has surrounded the trip. Yes, yeah. There's been a lot of controversy about it because a few of the big clubs or the bigger clubs didn't let their players go. They didn't release them because they're involved in the AFC Champions League. And it's interesting what you were saying about the politics with Estonian football at the moment, because we've got a very similar situation where there's this power struggle going on and the national team have been kind of caught up in this. So the preparation yeah. wasn't ideal. And it's a real shame because they don't get to play in Europe that often. And so it was a great opportunity for them to come over, get a bit of experience and show people what they can do. So on the night, what, what were your impressions of the the Thai team they were very quick in like the counter-attack when they were on the ball they were actually very very good in the first half there wasn't many chances for either team but for Thailand they had a few half chances where like even though it was only a friendly maybe the occasion got a bit better of them but you could see in the second half especially like Estonians could butcher me for this but I honestly feel like Thailand could have won the game overall Estonia had better chances but Thailand felt like they could take them if that makes sense. I don't really know many Thai players, but I know there was, there was one guy in defence. Oh, I can't remember what number he was. He was either right centre-back or right-back, but he was wearing gloves. He was really, like, comfortable on the ball. Never, like, under pressure or anything like that. But nothing seemed like too much for him. Estonia have some big players, but, like, they felt very comfortable playing against this Estonia team. I mean, sometimes when you you follow Thai football, it's it's easy to get quite cynical and quite negative. I think we're all aware that the players are skillful. You know, that that wasn't even the first choice squad. And there was a lot of those lads who travelled wouldn't have got anywhere near if all the, the top players had been released. So it's, it's quite nice to hear that they played so well and, and made an impression. Estonia rotated a little bit, but we were still a strong Estonia team. The main players that could play, played. So... Obviously, I don't, I don't know nothing about Thailand. So now hearing that it's not like the first Thailand team that would be playing, it's, it seems even more disappointing that Estonia couldn't win the game. From a Thai point of view, it was very satisfying considering what had gone on before. I mean, the whole tour has been a bit of a mess, really. You know, I think you've even commented on it on Twitter as well. You know, the whole malarkey with the food and the, the travel yeah. arrangement and then getting getting battered in Georgia. I mean, we, we were fearing the worst. I mean, I, I genuinely thought we were going to get hammered again. So it's it's nice to see. And I think from certainly from our point of view, it was very pleasing. And, you know, the team have been kind of welcomed home as, as heroes for the way they, they bounced back 
can you give us some idea of what Estonia can expect to do in the they're in the qualifiers aren't they for the is it the European Championship so yeah there's two games left of that <laughs> not much expectations there you know they've only got one point in the qualifying I think it was maybe two Austria and Sweden are left to play so two defeats there probably but then they've got the chance to go into the playoff because they topped their Nations League group which was San Marino and Malta so they, they can still qualify for the Euros because of that which is very unlikely because they'd have to play Poland or Croatia I think it is We'll see what happens at the end of the qualifying, but no one's expecting much. But whether there'll be a coach change or whatever, whether some players will retire because captain's 39 years old, still performs in the Estonian league, but at international level, you can tell that his pace isn't quite there anymore. It's definitely time to step aside for the younger talent. So we'll see come November time whether he will or not. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I think you've probably won over a few more fans in Thailand anyway. So yeah. we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that and, and good luck with your qualification. And hopefully the two nations can meet again. Maybe you'll get invited over to Thailand, which would be nice. And you could all come over for a holiday. Yeah, that'd be nice. Because the guy who scored for Estonia, Henry Anyed, uh, had a couple of years out in Thailand as well, didn't he? So, yeah, I was surprised to see that he didn't start the game because... You know, he seems very popular with Thai fans. So when he started on the bench, I was a bit shocked to see that because there was there was a fair few Thai people in the crowd. Like the camera kept panning on to the limited fans. There was anything, there was only a thousand fans that watched the game. But there was, yeah, there was a fair few Thai people there, which was, I was surprised about. So yeah, fair play. It was good to get a nice turnout. And one of the good things about Thai fans is that they'll go along, they'll support the team, they'll enjoy the game, they'll enjoy the occasion. And they got a great result, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, they definitely, I say, I think European arrogance got the better of us, where we just thought like, okay, it's Thailand. Okay, so this is going to be easy. But yeah, it's why we don't write people off in football, isn't it? So so anything can happen. It's been great to chat. Thanks so much for that, for sparing us the time. Yeah, nice one. Cheers. Thanks for having me. No, you're welcome. Cheers, Reese. See ya. Cheers. Cheers. There you go. Thanks, Reese. And like I say, he said some very nice things about the Thailand C team, didn't he? He did. I, th- I thought for one minute in the interview, you'd interviewed the wrong bloke and he was talking about the Thailand FA. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of similarities, aren't there? A lot of parallels. I, I mean, because obviously we're focused on Thailand. We're, we're probably oblivious to what's going on elsewhere. But I guess a lot of the problems that we experience in Thai football are just replicated throughout the world, aren't they? Yeah, very much so. But it was, it was good to hear him speak enthusiastically about the Thai team and the, the shock in his voice when he realised it wasn't the, the first choice 11 as well was, was quite nice to hear. Okay, so moving on from that, I caught up with someone else who's who's very interested in the national team and that's Jan and I had this little chat with him about the state of things, how he saw the tour that we've just had and what his expectations were for the future. So this is me and Jan just after the Thailand-Estonia game last week. Hi, Jan. It's great to talk to you again. Hello. Thanks for having me back. And this time we're going to chat about a hot potato at the moment, which is the Thailand national team. Just finished the two-game trip to Europe where they played against Georgia and Estonia. And I think it's fair to say that it didn't exactly go to plan. At least the first one didn't, I'd say. So, oh, dear. Yeah. Any any thoughts you want to share with us? 
Well, I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a big discussion around the, the players being re- not really released from their clubs. And that's extremely disappointing. I pointed out on Twitter how funny it was that Buriram sent their head coach, Ishii, to the national team on the grounds that the national team is more important than the club, which was the excuse that they had for wanting to let him go and save face, which is now very apparent. They let they sent him to the national team, had him breathe down Mano's neck. And then when it was not convenient, suddenly the national team is not a priority and their games in Europe are now irrelevant and no Buriram players go. It exposes that whole farce for what it really was, an attempt to save face for Ishii and the owner of Buriram United, an attempt to pressure Mano Poking. And then we have the owner of Buriram United, the owner of BG Patum and the owner of Port FC, who is the um, team manager for the national team, working together to remake the Thai League. They're calling themselves the Thai League Revolutionary Committee, something ridiculous like that in Thai, the translation is something ridiculous like that yet those three of them are not even united enough to send a coherent squad to play in matches yet they are expecting to be a coherent team to run the FA and fix all the problems so I think that this has been a wake-up call for everyone and I've been actually kind of pleasantly surprised by how people have reacted I think for the first time ever there was a big backlash to clubs not releasing players and everyone basically saying hey you guys need to do your part for the national team because we care about the national team the most. I think that's a very encouraging sign. For owners in the Thai League, it's all about their popularity at the end of the day. So I think that this public response will make it so that it's very hard for owners to refuse to release players again in the future. So that, that I felt, was a good thing. That was very encouraging, wasn't it, to see the backlash. Most of my social media activity is limited to the, the English-speaking sites, but I know on the Thai sites... It was even more severe, wasn't it? The the criticism and the outcry. And it has already forced the gentleman who's the the owner at Buriram United into making a a public statement. I don't know if you saw that yesterday. Yeah, I I saw, but I haven't read the statement. But that's unheard of, pretty much. A club having to apologise for something and then putting out a statement. So it shows that people are, their priorities are the national team and they've come out to say it and and it's it's getting through. And the other thing that I felt was, was even more encouraging was how the national team after the King's Cup really united behind Mano. And they said he shouldn't go. We should say, I mean, Chanatip came out, Tirasin came out, Tiraton came out. Tiraton is the most powerful player in, in Thai football history, possibly. The, the sort of political string pulling that he does with the national team. He's behind Mano and all the big guys are behind Mano. And that's people who are saying like, oh no, the 8-0 to Georgia, he's going to get sacked. Like, that's impossible now. You cannot sack him now. He's got the squad all behind it. And I, I don't think I've ever seen a manager have this kind of support behind him. I mean, I'm sure Zico did, but Zico was never put in a position where he was forced the players to come out and defend him. And for Mano to have achieved this, it's very admirable. And I think that as much as these are all crises of our own making, I think that we'll come out stronger because of them. Because it's the, all the players are united behind Mano, I think it's going to lead to better results down the line. Harking back to this talk back in the day, I think especially prevalent after Nishino got sacked, where they were like, oh, it has to be a Thai coach. Only a Thai coach can get the type, the best out of Thai players. Well, that's all nonsense. It's all nationalistic propaganda. And Mano, he's basically a Thai at this point. And he's come in and he's shown that actually he can do a better job at the man management side than anybody. So I think it's time to stop this, this awful talking point that only a Thai manager can, can get the best out of the players. I think Mano has shown that he can get the best out of them possibly more than anyone ever has. I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's 
it's one of those situations, isn't it, where you want the best man for the job. And in this case, it's clearly the man who's already in the job. And the amount of support that he's got, not just amongst the fans, but amongst the players as well, is is overwhelming, isn't it? I, I, I don't think there's anyone who's come out and said that he needs to go, really, other than one or two people higher up the chain. Obviously, a lot of the, the big names, the big guns, didn't go on the recent tour. But the players who did go, considering everything they went through, and especially following the 8-0 defeat, the way they responded against Estonia was, was exceptional, I thought. And I think mm-hmm. they deserve a lot of credit for that as well. Yeah, I think the, a lot of credit. I mean, I, I think Jakapan Prysuwan, who scored the goal against Estonia, he's going to get a look in now for the first 11, I think, because we've always had an issue at centre-back. I think Elias Ola got to redeem himself a little bit in the second game, which is good. And he's shown his, he, he can he can be at that level, be in the national team still. Tristan Doe with the comeback, that was unexpected, but he's put in a good shift for Murtong in the weeks leading up to the international break. So I'm glad he got his chance. And of course, young guys like your Yosakon Burapa, who uh, is one of the most exciting young talents in the country, getting to play at senior level at such a young age and experience, you know, traveling to Europe and going through all this would never be possible otherwise. It's always good that we are expanding the selection pool a little bit. And that's only going to be a positive, I think, hopefully. And I, I, there are a few of these players who will definitely be in contention to start for the World Cup qualifiers. It was a very, very difficult situation for everyone. And the way they responded was remarkable, really. So just before we finish, Jan, where do we go from here? How do you think this is all going to be resolved? Surely we can't let something like this happen again. What do you think is going to happen next? What happens next? We need to, well, we need to get the best squad in for the China game and beat them. I think if we win that first qualifying game against China, the mood will completely change and everybody will be back in this happy sort of atmosphere. I, I do believe that. I think that beating China will change everything. But it'll be a tough game. Very tough. I'm lucky we're playing at home first. Then when we go to the Asian Cup, I think someone's already raised the issue that I think Chonburi and Buriram and BU are playing games just before the we leave for the Cup. Now, I think those games have to be either moved closer or to after the Asian Cup because I think there should be no even possible little excuse that club owners can use to, to mess that one up. I think the whole squad should be together from the first friendly game all the way until the tournament. I know there's some people who primarily watch the Thai League and don't follow the national team as much who might be disappointed by how long the break is. But I think that the Thai public has made it clear the national team is their priority. So I... I I hope those games are rescheduled and then everybody gets to go to the first friendly um, before the tournament, which is going to be on the 1st of January in, in Tokyo against Japan. I hope the, I hope we can put out our best 11 for that game because that's that's a huge opportunity to test ourselves before the big tournament. And let's just hope lessons have been learned. I think the, the people running the game as well, hopefully, have, have learned something from this. Should we call it a debacle or is that unfair, do you think? I think debacle is fair enough, honestly. Okay. that's been great thanks so much for coming on again Jan really enjoyed that chat and I pretty much think you've nailed it there thank you for having me on it's great to talk about this we shouldn't panic it's going to be fine it'll be fine guys don't worry about it yeah thanks for that Jan Uh, it talks a lot of sense doesn't it Uh, I mean just on that there was news slightly after that that uh, Thailand are pulling out of the bidding for the 2034 World Cup when you listen to some of the stuff that's gone on would you really want the people in charge 
going into a bid that's not going to win. Absolutely not. We just don't have the infrastructure to cope with a World Cup, even co-hosting it with you know other Southeast Asian countries. I just don't think we could. And it'd leave, need a lot of investment. And I'd rather see that money invested in improving the local game, to be honest. Well, we're always saying about the money that they're wasting and the shortfall. That would have been an absolute white elephant. I'm Lily, and I've been listening to a Thai football podcast. Back in action this weekend, T1, T2. So we've got a report coming up from our old friend Riza. And then we've got Marco, who was at a T3 game in the south of Thailand, which is a region we don't often get that much coverage from. Thai football podcast. Match reports. Good evening from Dragon Solar Park. Today is the eighth week of the Thai League. Resumes after the long international break. Rajaburi FC playing home against Sukhothai FC. The score is 3-1 for the home side. We see that Jiva has been playing in recent matches and he proved himself with scoring again. Today he had two goals, almost a hat-trick. And we also see that Faik have his first start of the season. He's playing more than half of the game and replaced by Alvin Fortes, which he have been sidelined for past few matches. Both players are play decent. Faik, even though he has not been playing as expected but Alvin has his comeback and the Rachaburi now standing six in the table we hope this will be improved in future matches that's all from me see you in, on the next game come on you dragons Tied to I'm here at Tin Sulanon Stadium for Songkla FC versus FC Yala. There's quite a big crowd outside the ground, but unfortunately, most of them were here for the Songkla Grand Prix that took place earlier on. So there's more Subaru fans than Songkla fans in the area. Um, had a quick look at the league table this morning. Songkla are third and Yala are eighth so it should on paper be a comfortable home win. FC Yala are known as the Jigsaw and their fans will be hoping their strikers don't fall to pieces in the box today because that's the only chance they've got to win in this game I reckon. Half time here and it's all going to script for the home side. They are currently 1-0 up. Uh, Akene Azike, the Nigerian forward, scored the goal after eight minutes, far post header. Uh, they'd hit the post pretty much straight from the kickoff and dominated the half really. Yala have shown very little going forward so yeah if they want to get back into the game they're going to have to change the tactics a little bit I think. Half time it's 1-0 to Songkhla. Full time here from Tinsulanon and there were no further goals in the second half. Songkhla came close to adding a second but uh, were denied by the woodwork. Yala showed very little intent to try and get back in the game although they did have one chance at the end through Guinean striker Barry Laluma. Overall, good experience, good ground. It's, it's been improved for the uh, 2025 SEA Games and it would be good to see Songkhla playing at a higher level. Obviously, they've got, got to earn the right to do that. Uh, I think the attendances would go up if they got into T2 and who knows if, if they got into T1. Full-time was Songkhla 1, FC Yala 0. Right, thanks guys. Two excellent on-the-ground reports there. Nice to hear Reza back, and he's obviously thrilled with his team's recent performances. I think Ratbury are doing quite well, aren't they, now? Not half. And they, they seem to be scoring a few goals as well. And then Marco, 
reporting from the south of Thailand, T3 match, Songkhlaer and Yala. He seems to be having a great time down there. He does that. He's made me jealous. That's one of the places I'd love to go is Songkhlaer. It's on my bucket list for sure. And as I said, it's it's definitely an untapped territory, really, for Thai football. They've had a couple of teams in the Premier League, but for very brief spells. And I think if, if somebody managed to get their act together down there, it could be quite exciting, couldn't it, to see what develops? Dare I say, it's one of the few that could challenge yeah, definitely. I don't see why not. And it'd be nice to see, wouldn't it, a couple of Southern teams represented in the Premier League again. It would. As you said last week, though, with Jason, the league's grown so much. It used to be so Bangkok-centric. It's incredible the way it is developing still. Hi, my name is Anthony, and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. Right, now on to our, one of our regular features. We've got a couple of stories from people who've met footballers in real life. So we're going to start off with one, and this is someone who wants to remain anonymous, which I don't mind. We've, we've had this before, and you might see why when you hear the story. So this is the first one. Have you ever met a footballer in real life? I used to teach the son of former Pati United striker Ludovic Takam. One day, our school were putting on two special assemblies, one in the morning for Key Stage 1 and another in the afternoon for Key Stage 2. Ludo's boy was appearing in the Key Stage 1 performance. The footballer turned up and proudly sat near to the front in order to get a good view of his child. However, he arrived after lunch and was about to watch a cast of total strangers until, after a lengthy discussion, one of my colleagues went over to him and pointed out that he'd missed his son's appearance on the stage earlier that day. He left the hall feeling slightly embarrassed. (laughs) That wouldn't be the first overseas player to be late. (laughs) It must have been quite awkward for him. A bit like missing an own goal in front of the away fans, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. On to Marco. Marco with his regular one. This is a good one. I spotted Port goalkeeper coach stroke fourth official terroriser Milan Devic on the BTS. On a match day, he is clung toys maddest man, but he was all smiles on the train with the club official he was travelling with. In fact, his demeanour was so different that I wouldn't have recognised him if he wasn't wearing a port tracksuit. So there you go. Just goes to show that the way people behave at football isn't necessarily the way they behave in, in real life, which is probably a good thing, I think. Yes, I'm just thinking of you at Buriram. Absolutely. For those 90 minutes, I've become a completely different individual. But I'm, I don't think I'm unique in that, am I? Not at all. Hi, I'm Sabina. I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. It was my pleasure earlier in the week to sit down with someone who has been involved in Thai football for the last 15 years. He came just at the start of the boom period, so he's well qualified to talk on all the changes and improvements we've seen in that time. So this is me and Mika Chuanansi talking about all things Thai football. Welcome along, Mika. It's great to be able to chat to you at last. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, nice to be on. Hopefully you won't be giving me any uh, any abuse today. Oh, no, there'll be none of that. Don't worry. It's all very civilised. You'll be fine. <laughs> so, first off, how are things in Lampoon? For me, personally, it's been fantastic. You know, it's been an, an unbelievable journey, really. Um, for the last, let's say, what, it's been now uh, 10 months here in Lampoon. Obviously, this season, we've not probably got the results we wanted from, from the start of the season. But in terms of where we are as a team for the last 10 months of development and in terms of the, the club on and off the field. You know, it's been a great progress. And I think now we have 
the last eight games or the first leg, I think we have to push on and obviously climb the table. But, you know, we've been very unfortunate with the fixtures we had as well for the first seven games. You know, we played all the big guns. Uh, you know, we've had all the big dogs. So in, in terms of me personally, on the field, I'm very happy, you know, playing consistently. So, yeah, in terms of uh, that side of it, it's been very, very good experience. They're very exciting times now at Lampoon as well. You've got the new stadium coming yeah, soon. Def- yeah, it's exactly what I was touching on just now in terms of uh, the club itself on and off the field you know I came in January um, it was the first time the club's been in the T in, in T1 you can see a lot of things that are uh, still not professional in terms of where the club was at but you know since January till till now um, since I've been here the the whole club is 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 evolved immensely and is going in the right direction you know I've been very lucky to be involved in in many clubs transition in Supanbury where it was came up in TPL and obviously seen the growth of that and then being in BU, the club moving forward in the right direction step by step. But now in Lampoon, in terms of coming here, where the club's at the very beginning, in terms of infrastructure with the new stadium, with the training ground, with the club being in TPL in the first year, now obviously in the second year. And, and yeah, just 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 really happy to be part of the, of the journey with the club. And if you come and see the club itself, you can just see that they're doing all the right things and and of course, we have to perform on the field, but it's, it's very important that off the field is moving in the right direction. And, and myself personally, seeing how it's moving, it's it's very it's very good to be part of it. That's good to hear. There's a lot to do, isn't there, in, in situations like this? Like you say, you know, it's not just on the field, it's off the field as well, making sure that the, the infrastructure's there and everything's organised. Yeah. Presumably, they're, they're looking long-term, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. You know, of course, you know, I've come from a European background and obviously it's come through the, the structure in, in, in Wales you, you kind of see how off the field is very important in terms of getting the, the, the things right on the field. End of the day, you know, it's, it's a result business in terms of the infrastructure off the field. It's very important, in, especially in Thai football, where it's very year to year in most clubs in Thailand. You know, the infrastructure is not there sometimes. The training grounds are there. Um, a lot of teams, you know, they have a yearly budget, but you can see why what we're doing in Lampoon is we're trying to obviously build for the next, you know, three years, the next five years, maybe the next 10 years. And, and you know, that's obviously refreshing to see in terms of Thai football that uh, the owners and the bosses are, are trying to make this a long-term goal. You know, in, in Thailand, we have a very short-term uh, vision with a lot of things, whether that's clubs football or maybe like international football. But the long-term goal sometimes, you know, is, is, is forgotten really. And, and I'm very proud, like I said, to be part of Lampu now where the training ground's built, you know, the stadium should be done by January. And you can see on the field, we're trying to recruit the, the players who can obviously be there for the next maybe one, two years. So it, it's a lot of changes within the club. It's, it's not going to come overnight, especially on the field. You know, we had over 10 or I think nearly 15 new signings in the summer. So judges at the end of the season, that's what I, I keep trying to say to people. You know, I think halfway stage is obviously the good indicator. But, you know, I don't want us to uh, to get too down about the results so far. But um. I think at the end of the season, I think we should, we should be all right. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. How have the fans responded to this? It's a strange one because it's obviously I came in January and we were playing in Chiang Mai United Stadium. So it was it was then a very good crowd in terms of the fans, you know, and the loyalty from the fans to go there and, and support the team. And they're just very happy to be in a TPL and you're just happy to, to support the team whether we win, lose or draw. Of course, we always try to win every game. But um, now this year, being back 
at the provincial stadium in Lampoon and you see every, every single game is sold out. The fans are always behind you. And, and the crazy thing is, obviously, we had that win over Chiang Rai, obviously the derby of the Northern, and you can see that game, how much it meant to them. And, and every game we played at home, whether it's against, you know, BU or, or just now against Ratchet Rio, we drew. The, the, the fans, they're just they're a big part of how, how we're going to obviously do well this season. And I think they're, they're very happy with how we're progressing as a team and how we're doing on the field, even though the result's not there. And yeah, unbelievable fans for myself anyway being back in in a province team where the fans they live for the games on the weekends is very nice to be involved in that and and Lampoon is one of the best for me I guess there's a quite a tight bond is there between the club the players and the, and the supporters yeah of course I think you know the clubs come come from the third division three years ago the club and the fans feel it's, it's, it's a together project sometimes in terms of football in Thailand it's very political or it's very business minded orientated but with the club like Lampoon right now it's very much for the fans and you know the fans are happy whether they win or lose I think the clubs are happy you know they, they obviously take into consideration how the fans are feeling and, and us on a weekend you know if we lose but the fans are very happy and we feel okay you know we, we've obviously done them proud and I think that's a, the big factor in how we are right now as a club you know everybody working you know on and off the field very hard to make sure that we do it for the fans and, and you know there's a very close-knit club from most of the staff has been here since T3 and we've kept the same backroom staff which which is obviously nice because, you know, you hear the stories and, and you see that the club and the fans, they're all very close-knit. It's a good place to be and a good thing to see for myself personally, being back in you know, a, a province team. Just to rewind a little bit, going back to your career, I can remember seeing an interview with you on Siam Sports when you first came over and you're this fresh-faced young man, very excited <laughs> to be here. I mean, that was, what, 2009? So you've pretty much been involved in the Thai League through the, the whole period as it's developed. What yeah. big changes have you seen during those 14, 15 years that you've been here? I think the money in the game has been a big change, obviously, from the first time I've been here, 2009. I think the fans has always remained the same. I think I can remember that game, 2009, in Muntong's Stadium and Shumbury brought you know the fans to play that derby at Muntong was a nine. Uh, I thought the fans that day was was unbelievable, and I still haven't played in the game. I think since well, I've been involved in the game since that day. That the how is it the excitement? It was it was an incredible day. Exactly. So I I don't want to say like you know we I think I, I don't want to say there's more fans in Thai football now. I I think the fans has always been there since day one. The, the people in Thailand they they follow their own league and it's very good to see you know the Caesar Gates. You know, the away day in Sisagate and the away days, you know, you go to those type of province team and you see the fans are in the Songkhlaar way, you know, you you just, the fans have always been there. So I would say the biggest change is probably the money and obviously the sports science of it. Um, I think teams now, you know, like the BGs, the Burams, obviously they're the big teams have, have developed a lot off the field in terms of the infrastructure. You know, some teams, of course, you know, they either remain the same in terms of off the field stuff, because that maybe financially, or maybe they they don't really look long term in terms of the goal setting, as we spoke about earlier. But it's not, of course, I think the media side of the game. I think when we first came in 2009, I think you'd be very lucky if we had one game live on TV, you know, on the Sam Siam Support channel, and the rest, you know, you look in the papers to see who played and uh, try to follow social media. But um, I think the the TV now, of course, you know, all the games are on YouTube, on Facebook. You know, you can obviously rewind and watch the games on AS Play on on True. So it's it's a 
it's definitely easier for the, the people to watch the games. And but I don't think in terms of infrastructure with the academies, with the league and the youth system, I, I don't think that's changed very much. Which is disappointing to see. Being here for 15 years, you know, I think that side of it we need to improve. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to go another 15 years time and look back to say that I've been 30 years in Thai football and we haven't had an academy or a youth league that is sustainable. When you finish playing, I know you've been doing all your coaching badges. Would Would you like to be a part of that then? Maybe that's something you could get involved in bring your experience and your ideas or are you planning to move on for me i think i'll always try to be involved in thai football in some capacity you know the reason i obviously went back to my license in wales because of the background i have in terms of the welsh football and also the coaching license and also the dedication background i had in uh in southwest university so i think that the opportunity to do my license was was too good to to, to pass up at this stage in, in time i'm not looking to go into coaching straight away and i think i have a few years left in, in my career but you never know what's going to happen you never know what opportunity may come and I just may want to make sure that if something does come up um, soon I want to be ready and I want to be you know giving myself the best opportunity um, and and chance to 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 do the right thing and to make it work so in terms of Thai football itself you know if I had a chance in the future to to be involved in some capacity with the FA or the development of youth football I think I'll, of course if you know I don't want to say with my knowledge I just want to say with my experience I suppose in, in coming to the academies in the UK and seeing what works what doesn't work I think you know I can help in 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 some way. I don't want to say like oh you know I can change things considerably, but I think I can I can help in in some aspect. And of course, having you know both languages and having good connections in both places in in, off, in the UK and in Thailand, maybe I can somehow help Thai football in the future. But um, you know, football is of course is my passion, and you know I'll always be involved in a game when 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 I finish playing. Um, you know, maybe in the future if there's an opportunity for me to be involved in any capacity with the FA or with the youth development in Thailand, 100% I'll look to do that. It's good to hear you going to carry on playing. I think players seem to be playing a lot longer, don't they, these days? But I can remember, you know, usually the careers of professional footballers, early 30s, yeah. they were kind of thinking, you know, this this is it. It's retirement time. There were the odd exceptions. Yeah. Going back to when I was 20, I think if you said to me, what's your target? How long do you want to play for? I say, I want to play until at least I'm 30. I think that's everyone's goal. I think I think when you get to thirty, I think it's a perception. Everyone's like, "Oh, you're thirty years old. You're you know, like you're coming to the end of your career. Um, you're old now." And and you know, it's I think that's everybody's perception, really. Um, when you hit that, you know, three zero, I think everybody thinks you know you're either coming to the end of your career or you passed it or or other other reasons. But um, for me personally, I'm thirty four. You know, thirty five in four months, and fitness wise, I feel very good. You know, obviously, you have those days when you maybe recovery a little bit smaller than you were when you. 25 years old and you you know you can just get up and and then feel fresh as a daisy but in terms of fitness wise and in terms of physically how i'm feeling i don't think i've i feel any different to when i was 27 28 and i think there's also the like that's also the lifestyle and the sports science that that is in now and in, in, in the professional game and of course every player is different how you take care of yourself but i've been very lucky from a young age that i've had this this habit of of living the a very professional lifestyle from from when i was 20 21 years old so i think you know physically i can probably play two for another three four years if i wanted to and like like i said you know i just want to play for as long as i can and i don't have any regrets in the future for maybe retiring too early or or stopping when i probably can play on and and i think as long as i'm still contributing to the team or to whoever Wherever I am, I think I'll keep on playing. If I if it gets to the day where I think you know I I've, you know my legs are gone here, then then I think I'll I'll, I'll I'll ask myself that question when it gets to it. Looking back over your career, what what have been your your highlights and what things have, have you enjoyed the most? 
I think you never really look at your career until you finish. And I think when I finish, I'll really look back and say, wow, you know, winning the, uh, the Thai Premier League in 2009 in Tong, playing in pretty much every single tournament for the Thai national team. You know, I was very lucky to be in World Cup qualifiers, very lucky to play Zuki Cup, very lucky to play King's Cup and won it in, I think, two occasions. Very happy. Also, the, the Asian Cup. In 2019, you know, to be involved in that squad and obviously playing three out of the four games in, in UAE was probably one of the highlights of my career because, you know, the Asian Cup is it's obviously the biggest tournament in Asia and to do it for your country is, is something to be proud of. And, and yeah, you know, I think I'll always look back and say that the highlight of my career is probably playing the Thailand national team. And, and to this very day, I'm 34, 35 years old. I still will never retire from the national football. You know, if, if one day I'm 38 and the national team coasting I can offer something I'll always go back it's it's for me it's always the pinnacle of, of anyone's career and I think the highlight will always be to play at the highest level so the Thailand national team um, was probably is probably the highlight of my career and I'll probably say yeah those um those UA, uh, those Asian Cup games you know I'll always look back and say you know that those were obviously the pinnacle many, many great moments you know it's hard to pick one you know you play in front of 90,000 in Malaysia Bukit Jalil the, the goal I scored in the penalty shootout for the King Cup to get us to the final you have that moment you Realistically, what do you think the Thailand national team can achieve? Obviously, the qualification for the World Cup is the ultimate aim. Do you, do you think we're on the right track for that? No, I think I'll have to say no to that. Um, if, if I want to just be frank and don't want to go to too much detail, I'll probably say no. I think you look at Thai football right now and where, where it is that. I think just, just at the moment, we're in a situation where we're not, we're not sure who's going to be the new president of the FA. We're not sure in terms of, obviously, Manu's future. I think Manu's done an incredible job. I think there's a lot of speculations and talk all the time. I think there's a lot of, what's the word to say? It's just a lot of unsettling going on in Thai football. You know, you need to have a, a settled infrastructure to see maybe a three-year plan, a five-year plan. And I don't think we have that. You know, if you ask every, everyone what's the three-year plan right now for Thai FA, I don't think they can give you the answer. So that's where I probably think that right now in terms of, you know, moving forward, I think, you know, you can probably say, you know, I, I honestly hope that Manu gets the job for the next three, four, five years. Maybe he'll do something great with it. But um, in terms of right now, I think Thai football moving forward needs to have a, a better, just say, foundation um, in terms of the infrastructure from the youth district to the seniors and you know we need to obviously do well in terms of Asian qualification first and obviously the Asian Cup next year I think you know last time we got the last 16s let's say we get to the you know the quarterfinals this time will be a good achievement and of course you know going to the World Cup qualify if we do qualify it'll be an unbelievable achievement but I don't think it's it's something that we should look to right now. I think, you know, you got to look in the next maybe eight to 12 years where the next group of boys coming through the under-17s and the 19s. I think those are the guys who will obviously take us forward. And I think we need to, to give them more learning experience. More, you know, we have to give them more time. And obviously we have to give, we have to support them a lot more in terms of the future because I think the future of type of ball doesn't lie with the first team. I think the future of type of ball lies with the, 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 the youth infrastructure. I think we need to be better at that. That's, that's my personal opinion, of course. It's frustrating as a fan of the national team because we, we always seem to get to a stage where you think we're going to kick on and everything seems yeah. to be fine. Everything seems to be going really well. And then yeah. all of a sudden, something will happen. You can say right now, you know, it's 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 hard to, to think, to imagine that for the first time in I don't know how many years we've managed to go to Europe, you know, for two friendly games. I think it's probably the, the two best games in terms of experience and also to see where we are in terms of Thai football for the last, I don't know how long. 
And, you know, I think since I've been involved in Taipo, I can't remember the last time we went to Europe to play against two European nations. And we went there without our first, let's say, 25 players, which, of course, that's hard to to imagine, also hard, hard to, to get the right answer for, to, to try to say, hey, let's focus on the, the national team going forward. Let's how we're going to do in the World Cup when this is obviously probably the two games to help develop the players and also help the national team moving forward. And we didn't fully commit to it. So it's it's a very, very strange moment to be involved in Thai football to, to really obviously see how the top brasses, you can say, value what's more important, the national team or maybe the club football and how they would do in the, the, the Champions League. So it's, you know, I, I understand a lot of the clubs are into the Champions League and, and they want to do well in that. When it comes to high football and, and the national team and obviously playing FIFA there, I think I think most of the players will want to be involved, if you ask me personally. The whole thing was a mess, but I, I was so proud of the team the other night. I mean, to, to course, bounce back course. from that massive defeat and all the, yeah. the issues they've had with the travel and the food yeah. and obviously now everything's amplified because it's on social media. Of For course, them to go course. to Estonia in that situation and get a draw... Yeah. I'm so proud of the boys, you know, being being a player myself, so proud of them. And I think every single one of them deserves the massive credit for how obviously they reacted. First of all, to the first game and not giving up. And also the second game, because, you know, when you lose 8-0, it's, it's, it's very easy just to give up. And obviously, you know, the atmosphere and the morale probably down. But that second game, for me, I know we drew 1-1, but for me, it's like a win. I'm so happy for Manu and the team. And, and I think, you know, coming back now for the World Cup qualifiers, I think it's a, a good morale boosting for, for the whole the management team, you know, any of the boys that were selected to go there, I think they've, you know, they've done the country very proud. And I'm very happy of, of course, now to to see, you know, that they've got the, the the respect they deserve. And that's a very good place to leave it. So thank you so much, Mika. Really appreciate that. You've been very candid, very honest. So thank you. I think you're off to training now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm off to training now. So um, good luck for that and for the rest of the season. Thank you, mate. Hopefully to see you soon. Yeah, thanks very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, good interview that. I saw Mike play and he's uh, starting out over here in town, 2010 playing for Customs. So I've tried to keep an eye on his uh, career since then. He's done very well, hasn't he? I mean, when he came, he was, like I said in the interview, he was, he was a fresh-faced young lad and he joined Mung Tong, who at that time were obviously dominating Thai football. And then he, he kind of bounced around a little bit. And then when he really found himself, didn't he, when he went to Bangkok United, I think, and established yeah. himself there. And it's yeah, it's good to see him doing so well. And I think he's got big plans for when he retires, which won't be for a while yet, as he said. He sounds a real proper professional. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he does. And he's he's very grounded, really nice guy. And I think you didn't you watch him on Saturday? Weren't you watching the Port against Lampoon Warriors game on Saturday evening? I was. Yes, he played a bit of a part in that. I want to have a moan about VAR. And I know you were totally against it. And I was like, well, you know, it's okay. And it did get a decision right in the Montong Terro game, by the way. But during the Port game the other night, they disallowed a goal for nothing. It was Micro actually went down. A clash with Tardelli, there's nothing in it. Disallowed the goal, but then they gave a penalty to Port after half time, which was well. I've watched thousands of games, or I've read most of those games should have had a penalty in them if they're giving them for that. The problem is with VAR, in my opinion, the refs are poor and VAR's making them poorer. They're chickening out of giving the right decision. They wait for the bloke in the VAR box to make a decision, and we're all too keen to be seen. 
They know the laws, but they don't understand how the game's played. I love watching T. Wandell, but he's spoiling it. I totally agree with you. And as you said, I, I was never in favour of it. And it's made things worse. I, I'm with you. I, I, I find matches that involve VAR are less entertaining. And I, I don't know, there's, there's something, some air of foreboding, isn't there, that hangs over any game that you know has VAR in it. Because you know at any time, any incident is, is just going to get called back. You can't celebrate a goal. You, I mean, it's all been said before, but it's... I don't know what the solution is. I mean, well, I do. A great big sledgehammer for me. The problem is the players aren't stupid. They're very bright. They know the officials aren't. So they can stimulate and overact. They know that it's going to go upstairs. It's worth them gambling. There's no there's no jeopardy in them forcing a VAR decision. And I, I think the other argument is, and it, again, it's been said over and over again, is that, you know, when you slow things down, things... Things do look a lot worse you know you for me if you're going to use it you get an, a second chance to look at it it's got to be in real time and then you've got to make a decision because you you can't watch something over and over again at one twentieth of the pace expecting to get an outcome because it's just not realistic I want it scrapped I'd, I'd be happy if they just said no that's it we're done the experiments failed let's move on because games lower down the pyramid in Thailand and in England, which is where I watch the majority of my football, are much better for not having VAR, without a doubt. Scrap it. Thank you for your counselling service, Dale. I feel better. You're welcome. But Bill's in the post. OK. Right, just before we wrap up today, we've got a couple of listeners' questions. This is from Caleb, Caleb Hansen, who's a regular listener from the US, and he asks... How did Bury Ram United become so dominant? And what were the biggest teams before Bury Ram United took over? Right, I've written some notes down. I'll make it as brief as I can for Caleb. Thanks ever so much for the question. Basically, I'll deal with now. You can deal with the before. Nevin Chinchob is powerful and rich. He's got a whole province and much of the region behind him. Imported a successful club, building a stadium, racetrack and improving lives in the area. They've got great marketing and recruitment. It's more or less sticking two fingers up to Bangkok, which the Yisan folk love. The only way anyone will ever catch them is if someone in a similar province, like we mentioned Song are earlier and has huge pockets. Bangkok clubs have got no chance. Chinchob has got a client base of millions. Bangkok of thousands. They're way ahead. Teams might get near them on the pitch, but they're millions of miles behind them off it. Yeah, that's very fair, Rob. Something else that's important to remember, even though he's built all that up, when he first moved the club, so we're talking about Provincial Electrical Authority, from a Utia, they were already successful. So he'd already bought a successful team and a successful club with a history and a tradition. So on the playing side, he didn't really have to do that much. You know, the team had won the title the season before. They were playing in the AFC Champions League. They were already well established. So I think that definitely helped. So certainly on the field, he had a, a strong base to build a successful club side. And obviously everything he's done off the field came afterwards. The merger with Buriram FC, who was his, in inverted commas, his wife's team playing in the second division. And from then on, they have been pretty much unstoppable because, as you say, there's very little opposition to what he does in that province. Now, the biggest teams before Buriram United took over, I'm only going the modern era now, so 2006 onwards, really. It can't be underestimated what Chombury achieved and the influence 
that that had on shaping the game as we know it now. Being the first provincial team to win the league was a huge deal. And I was privileged to be a part of all that. I was involved and I saw how it all evolved, how it all developed. And we used to get fans from all over the country because, you know, we were one of the only teams that weren't connected to a company or or the armed forces, the police or whatever. And I think others looked on that and thought, well, if John Bree can do it, we can. And there was a stage, and I'm on record, I think I sent a letter to the Bangkok Post, of all things, saying that I was worried that John Bree would get too big for the league. Because at that time, it looked like no one else would be able to compete. And then obviously, Mung Tong United came along, they got promoted through the leagues. And for a couple of years, it looked like they were going to be the dominant force. And then obviously, the whole Buriram juggernaut took over. So that's, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I hope that answers your question, Caleb. When I used to come on Holidaydale from 2004 in Minbury and that part of Bangkok, there was Chumbri shirts everywhere. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine now. And, and a lot of people who've only got into football, maybe in the last 10 years even, won't realise that. You know, it, it was, it was, it was huge. We were the only club who were getting four-figure attendances. We, we were the only team who took any fans to away games. It was a very different landscape back then. It's a shame we can't do that now, to be honest, <laughs> speaking with my uh, Chambry supporter scarf on, but obviously things have changed. You had a premonition about somebody being too big for the league, though. I mean, I, th- I thought it was going to be us. I really did. You know, it, it just looked like that at the time. Nobody else was, was able to compete on or off the field. It's good this season. We've got a more open title race, I think. It's looking a lot healthier at the top of that league in terms of teams who are in with a realistic chance of winning it. Give me a ring in February. You're sticking to your guns with that one, are you, Rob? I am. Okay. (laughs) Right, we'll keep a close eye on that. Our next question is from Timothy Walker. And Timothy says, Rob mentioned in his reclining report that goal difference could make a difference. Is it not head-to-head in T3? Well spotted, Tim. I was waiting for somebody to point that out. Genuinely good to hear from you. Thanks for the question. And he's right. I mean, it's one of these things, isn't it, with the head-to-head, in that it doesn't actually apply until the final table. So the whole season, positions and places go on points, obviously, and then goal difference. And it's, it's only used the very last match to determine final places if teams are level. It's a bit of a strange one, really, I think. It's, it'd still be nice if Cicicet went forward, though, when they're playing against the worst team I've ever seen. It's always nice to see teams get a good thump in, isn't it? As long as it's not your own. <laughs> yeah, good. Well put. <laughs> and I think on that note, that's it for this week. That's That's been a cracking show again. So thanks for everyone who's been involved. Thanks to Reese, Jan, Reza, Marco, and obviously to Mika for giving up his time to come on and chat. Much appreciated. Yeah, great stuff. Have a fantastic week wherever you are. Yep, thanks for listening again, and we'll see you all soon. Bye-bye. 